0: It's sort of Star Trekky, okay? That you take the ultrasound probe and you scan a woman's belly, and the iPhone or whatever handheld computer you have connected to the probe makes diagnoses for you. We're well on our way to doing that. I think it's it's definitely possible.
1: Welcome to Well Said the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. That was Dr. Jeff Stringer, a professor in the UNC School of Medicine's Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the division director of UNC Global Women's Health. Jeff and other researchers are performing two unique studies at Carolina thanks to a recent $14 million grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And that technology he was just talking about It's two different ways of helping pregnant women in Zambia and other developing countries avoid becoming part of a startling statistic.
0: So I always start with the statistics. One is maternal mortality. So there are about 300,000 maternal deaths every year worldwide. These are deaths that happen to women during pregnancy or in the immediate postpartum period. And the overwhelming majority of those occur in poor countries. The U.S. doesn't even have a particularly good rate of maternal mortality compared to other developed countries, but we're still a hundred times less what it is in a place like Zambia. So we think that that rate of maternal mortality is unacceptable and we want to contribute to fixing that. Then if you move on to the babies, so the fetus, the unborn baby, almost three million stillbirths occur each year worldwide. And another almost 3 million neonatal deaths, so that's death right after delivery in the first 28 days of life. And that's just a horrible burden on any family that that we think is unacceptable, and we're trying to fix that.
1: And Jeff and his team are fixing it. They're using a wearable sensor, almost like a Fitbit, to monitor pregnant women's vitals and are using technology that allows patients to perform a sonogram on their smartphones. But before all that could happen, he realized he needed more resources. Jeff learned that members of the Gates Foundation were also concerned with maternal mortality in developing nations, and he decided to pitch an idea for a project.
0: And I was able to do that because I had this amazing resource here at the university to do all the different aspects of the work. So it's a complicated project, and our expertise is in obstetrics and in field implementation of research projects. But in this case, we needed engineers, we needed analytic people, statisticians, we needed data people, we needed pharmacists. And I was able to identify all of that expertise on campus to allow us to pursue this.
1: After being awarded $14 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation earlier this year, this powerhouse team began working in Zambia. Jeff has a very special connection to the country, thanks to a Zambian student he met while doing his residency in Alabama.
0: He was a Zambian obstetrician, and we struck up a friendship uh, while he was there working on a master's degree. And he convinced me and my wife, Elizabeth, and we, at that time we had two children, to come and live in Zambia for a year. That was back in 2001, and we ended up staying for 11 So we arrived in Zambia, and we were faced with all of these huge medical problems, and we felt like there was really an opportunity to do a lot of good, and so we stuck around, and we had such a fantastic time there. So we have a very deep uh, bond to Zambia. Some of our best friends live there. I still work there, even though I've been here in Chapel Hill full-time since we moved back in 2012. We still have this very deep, Commitment to that country and to trying to improve the the health of women and children there.
1: Jeff's dedication to improving the health of pregnant women and their children has developed into two forms of technology that feel almost futuristic. First, a small sensor that can gather important data to help detect possible complications during pregnancy.
0: So what we're doing is we're taking advantage of some gigantic leaps forward that have been made in technology over the last 10 years. So one of them is what we call sensor technology. So if you think about your Fitbit that you might wear, it tells you what your heart rate is. You can even get ones that have a little LED light on the back of them. They tell you what the oxygen saturation in your blood is. Um, They measure movement and that sort of stuff. And there are medical versions of those things that are becoming more and more common and, and also very cheaply available. So the idea is by applying these kinds of sensor technologies, which are cost $1 or $2 and are sort of Band-Aid size wearables, that we can use the information from that to know which women are going to have a complication before they have it and also make diagnoses earlier so that we can intervene earlier. There are three major killers of pregnant women, and those are bleeding, infection, and hypertension, high blood pressure. So if we can tackle those three problems, we can make a huge dent in the overall rates of maternal mortality. The technologies that we're testing here have the potential to give us an early diagnosis of each of those things. And the idea is even if a little Band-Aid-sized Fitbit might not prevent that from happening, If we can know who's at risk for that, we can be prepared for it and then apply the correct interventions to either stop it or uh, deal with it when it occurs.
1: So imagine every pregnant woman being issued a small sensor that can help detect future complications. Jeff says it's entirely possible in the near future, and the data his team is gathering is helping to make it a reality.
0: So once we get that big data set, we'll go to our expert colleagues at School of Public Health and ask them to do the analysis and they're going to be using a lot of modern methods including some AI type analytic techniques to understand um, whether we can build these algorithms that would tell us which women are likely to have a problem and which women are going to be okay. And then in a place like Zambia where you have limited staff and limited availability of medical resources, the midwives or doctors or whoever's taking care of those patients can better use their limited resources to care for those women who are at the highest risk.
1: But really, when you think about it, shouldn't this be happening now? Tens of millions of people around the world use some sort of smartwatch or fitness tracker in their everyday lives.
0: There's just been this profusion of new devices and tools and so forth that have come available only in the last In five or seven years that are increasingly being used. Um, I think that the availability of these low-cost sensors, Fitbit-like things, and then all sorts of other technologies that are not exactly Fitbits um, will make them more and more prevalent in medical care here in the U.S. and overseas as well. I was really surprised. I'm not a medical device or bioengineering person, um, although I'm sort of geeky enough to think it's interesting. I was sort of surprised at how much stuff actually is going on, especially in the developed world. And a lot of times we'll develop something in the industrialized world first and then sort of translate it to poorer countries. This is a little bit of a different case in that we're sort of trying to do it the other way around. This sort of technology may have some use here at UNC or in the United States, but we think that it's most likely to be useful in places where there's not enough staff to sort of attend to all the patients that are coming into the hospital.
1: In the second study, Jeff and his team are using portable sonogram technology. That's right. A pregnant woman can perform a sonogram on her iPhone.
0: Ultrasound technology has changed dramatically over the last decade. The ultrasound machines we have here at UNC Hospital costs hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're as big as a refrigerator. There are now several companies, there are Chinese companies, there are some American companies that are making low-cost ultrasounds, which fit in your hand. They cost, the the U.S. one is a product called Butterfly, which costs about $2,000, and then there are Chinese versions of that that cost less than $1,000. And you plug them into your iPhone or into your Galaxy, and you can perform an ultrasound um, anywhere, you know, with battery power. And so the, the aim of this project is to try to translate that into these developing world settings.
1: Technology is amazing, isn't it? With these portable and inexpensive sonograms, suddenly the idea of maternal health access becomes much more worldwide. But according to Jeff, there's one problem. Even though these handheld sonograms exist, it doesn't mean that everyone who uses them is able to interpret the results. And the second study is trying to solve this.
0: Now, even after you get the cost down, there's another issue, which is that sonography is a very specific skill. Our sonographers here who are trained to do them go to school for several years to get those skills and they have credentials and um, a lot of times separate degrees. We're trying to leapfrog that and teach computers to make these interpretations. So our ideal device would be one where you, it's sort of Star trek okay, that you take the ultrasound probe and you Scan a woman's belly, and the iPhone or whatever handheld computer you have connected to the probe makes diagnoses for you. We're well on our way to doing that i think it's it's definitely possible. There have been all sorts of um, applications of this sort of artificial intelligence to radiology that have already been successful, and I'm fairly confident that if we can get enough data, it's all based on how many how much data you can get. If you can get enough data, you can teach your computer to do this.
1: Jeff is looking to enroll 6,000 patients in the study to create a large enough data set to be successful.
0: So for the, for the ultrasound study, we are doing what's called a prospective cohort where we enroll women while they're pregnant. We get them as early as, as we can, and we follow them throughout pregnancy, and we do multiple ultrasounds on them. So we do the ultrasounds, which is... Typical most women in the US get two or three ultrasounds during a pregnancy, but we have an experimental in quotation marks protocol Where we're doing these blind sweeps from up to down and left to right sort of thing That are that are capturing movie pictures of the of the contents of the uterus the fetus and the placenta and what's inside the uterus and Then we're applying these uh, Machine learner algorithms to that data to try to teach the computer to make diagnoses
1: With all of this research Jeff and his team are undertaking, does that mean this type of care is just around the corner?
0: So I don't know what the timeline is for that, but that is absolutely going to happen. It's going to happen in the U.S. and it's going to happen everywhere.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. If you want to learn more about Jeff's research, visit UNC's School of Medicine website, med.unc.edu, and search for global women's health. Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Send us a tweet at UNC or shoot us an email at wellsaid@unc.edu. You can find Well Said wherever you get podcasts. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. See you next week.